0: This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park.
1: Hello everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host today, Sam Carroll, and I am joined by Adam Jones, Dave Prentice, and Gavin Buckland as we look back on an unusual week for Evan because we lost. We lost our first game of the season. We had a six-minute, was it six nine-minute meltdown? Nine-minute yeah. Nine meltdown. Villa, really not the best night. For Luca Dean. Luca, if you're listening, you might want to just turn off now and listen to another <laughs> podcast. But before we do get into the, the nitty-gritty of uh, Villa Park, the big news breaking today is that James Rodriguez is heading to Qatar for talks with a club over there about sealing a move away from Everton for the last nine months of his contract. Adam, James Rodriguez, looking likely to leave Everton without ever playing in front of fans, ever experiencing that famous Goodison Park atmosphere, how disappointed are you?
0: It, you can only you can only be disappointed, really, can't you? You know, it's it's so it's so different to the collective euphoria that we had uh, last summer when uh, his, his signing was confirmed. It, it felt like a really weird sort of time to be an Everton fan, didn't it? With Carlo Ancelotti as manager, James Rodriguez uh, play for the club. It was just. Just all very strange, and it just it just seems to have fizzled out into this sort of unceremonious and quite anticlimactic sort of end. We had obviously a summer full of speculation around him. It it kind of looked like he was gonna he was gonna say at least until January whether he would have actually got onto the pitches. Is another issue whether he was gonna continue complaining about his muscles or whatever was gonna whatever other excuses were gonna <laughs> crop up him over the next couple of. Weeks or months, but yeah, you know, looking like he's going off to Qatar in talks with Al Rayan, I think it is over in Qatar. Uh, it, it, it just seems like a bit of a weird move, even even so to me. There, like, you know, he's given up on his career. Yeah, a bit, hasn't well, well, obviously, it's probably one of the only windows that's still open. And if, if he does go over there, I can't imagine that he's going to stay there for very long. It's it must just be like a sort of you know, pay, pay me some money, like get me some. More regular football sort of thing for the next few months before, he, like, before he maybe secures another move in the summer to you know, yeah, somewhere, somewhere where he's gonna where he's gonna play a little bit more football. But you yeah. know, going over to Qatar to play, he's only he's still only 30, hasn't he? And you know, last season he proved that he could be such a creative and influential player in this Everton team. It it, it just seems very bizarre that he would go go to to somewhere like Qatar and, and play football and you know. And, I can't. I watch the Qatari League very, very often, but I can't imagine. Once stand, every few weeks. Yeah, I can't imagine the standard of the football is like well, Ahamed Rodriguez's level, let's yeah. say. So yeah, it, it it does all just feel like it's a little bit disappointing. You know, we we obviously wanted a little bit better from this sort of relationship between Rodriguez and Everton, but you know if if. If Rafa's not feeling it, if he's not feeling it, you know, whatever, whatever the circumstances around you know, him not playing over the last few weeks have been, you know, it, 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 Everton have done all right without him yeah. uh, at the start of this season, and I can only presume that they will continue to do all right, especially now, like hopefully having his two hundred grand a week wages off the books as well. So right. there are a couple of positives in the in involved in all this, but yeah, it it, it does just have this overriding sense of disappointment. I would say.
1: Adam says it's bizarre from Hannes' point of view, Dave, which I agree with, a player of his calibre going to Qatar. Also bizarre, you could argue, from Everton's point of view, in that we could only name eight subs against Aston Villa and we're arguably selling our best player to to the Qatari league. What's your take on it?
2: It's all very strange, isn't it? All a little bit surreal. I mean, we don't know exactly what's going on behind the scenes. I mean, is it the manager, you know, so sort of basically digging his heels in and refusing to use a player, who's not showing everything he wants on the training pitch? Or, you know, is it the player himself, you know, sort of playing games and, you know, claiming he's got muscle strains or his dodgy calves playing off? We don't know the actual, you know, sort of true story but, you know, behind the scenes here, but it does sound very, very unusual. I mean, this, this is a player who's obviously keen to represent his country. Um, you know, so sort of keen to play in big games for Colombia, and he's going to give himself the best opportunity of doing that by playing in the Qatari league. And I know the next World Cup is in Qatar, but you know, even so, it doesn't sound like it's a great, you know, sort of platform to showcase his talents. Um, I'm a little bit surprised. I mean, if he does end up going there, you would, you would think it's just purely a financially driven uh, motive, in which case, you know, so sort of what are the guys' ambitions really? I don't know. It's it's all very mixed up, all very strange, and you know, it's a quote. To, you know, to repeat what Adam said, it's disappointing. You know, we've said a few times in the summer. You know, I wanted to see him at least play cameo roles between now and January. Uh, at least sit on the substitutes bench and being that ninth member. You know, sort of Villa Park and coming on maybe for twenty minutes. And you know, so sort of show what he can do. Uh, we're clearly not going to get that opportunity to see that. And um, just one of those strange Everton careers. You know, one of the highest profile players. That, you know so we probably had in terms of you know so world football standing and yet he's never going to have played in front of an everson crowd just very very weird and very very strange but you have to trust the manager in this as well you know he's seeing what's happening on the training pitch and he's made it clear what he wants to bring to his, uh, his first team squad and clearly he doesn't think that Hamas can contribute to that. And it is a sizable chunk of wages that he's going to be, you know, saving. Obviously does no good whatsoever in the short term because we can't bring anybody in until January at the very least. But it does maybe give them a little bit of wriggle room. If it comes off, you know, so we don't even know if the talks are going to be successful yet. Yeah. Um, so if, if it does, it gives them a little bit of wriggle room, then maybe in January to you know so bring in a little bit more. But ultimately yeah, it, it leaves you with a little bit of a slightly deflated feel, really. You know, So losing the player of that quality in the circumstances in which we're losing them.
1: What's your gut feeling on it, Dave? Do you think it's driven by Rafa? Do you think it's driven by the player? Or do you think that it's got to the stage now where it just seems to be a mutual part of the ways if the deal comes off?
2: Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. I think, um, you know, Rafa has set his stall out from the word go. Now, whether that is because of the money that Hammers is earning, whether it's because of what you witnessed in those first couple of weeks on the training pitch, we don't know. But having you know, so sort of set that stall out. It's almost like the player has dug his heels in now and said that well, clearly you don't fancy me. Therefore, you know, so why should I you know, so sort of go through the motions? A player of my standing who's achieved what he's achieved in real football. I don't know. I'm second guessing there. But it looks like a little bit of both, to be honest. Um, you know, so one party playing you know off against the other. And uh, the the losers really are probably the supporters who are, you know, sort of denied the opportunity to see a player of his quality because he is, you know, so he's a quality footballer. And we saw it in flashes last season, what he can do, some of the goals he scored, some of the set pieces he produced. And I will always, you know, so keep going back to that pass at Anfield for Richarlison. You know, they're all good moments that, you know, so, you know, we wanted to see from James Rodriguez and we're not going to see any more. But equally, I don't want to get too, you know, so wound up about it because you know what the manager's done so far has all worked for Emerson's favour. You know, so everything he's done has been very, very positive, and you know he's achieved, um, you know, so sort of change already on, on a shoestring so far. So given a little bit more, you know, so sort of, you know, bigger room in the the transfer market, what can it do in the future? Who knows? So let, let's just, uh, let's just, you know, so sort of stick with the manager's decision on this and see where it takes us.
1: It does feel like, though, Gav, that the supporters' attitude as well. Some Everton fans, their kind of view towards Hammers has changed as the summer has kind of worn on. It kind of started, didn't it, towards the end of last season when he missed our last two games to, to fly back for a Copa America yeah. and he never ended up playing in anyway. kind of seems like now a lot of people have settled upon the attitude of if he doesn't want to be here, good riddance. Is that is that your viewpoint at this stage? Or would you do you think that a player like Hammers in a team that, you know, is getting beat 3-0, Aston Villa, should be playing a part of Everton,
3: like Dave says, until January? Um, but the former, uh, to me, I think, you mentioned whether it's the, it's the manager or the, the player driving this, I suspect the club is also driving this as well, in terms of having to reduce its pay bill, and it's also in the best interest of the club, to get, I mean, and the assumption is if Harris goes that that his his new club, whoever that is, will pay all his wages. They may not, might only pay fifty percent of his wages. You might be paying fifty percent of his wages, we don't know. Um so I think there's other other stuff going on there, isn't it? It's the financial position of the club, which we don't, you know, we've done know, done several times before, we don't need to revisit. Um as regarding the fans' uh perception and I'm, I'm, I'm with that can be a little bit divisive in the dressing room as well, and around the training ground, notwithstanding his qualities. Uh, to me, he, he the problems with him started at the end of last season. I just thought he was poor. In some games, I, I don't think he was even trying on, on some occasions, though he wasn't alone there. Um, so, I'm formally, I'm, I'm officially in the camp of, you know, just get rid. But to me, it's the it's the primary focus is the, the financial aspect of it. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and the one lesson I've learned or we've Perhaps the club should learn from this. Is never be in a position in future. I'm talking about Ancelotti here as well. Is where we where we say as a group of supporters, aren't we lucky to have him at the club? I don't I think, think you wrote a, a piece. thing
1: at the time and said the about Ancelotti that it shouldn't be the case that we were saying things like that about him and
2: Hammers. Yeah, you do. You want to see you know, so people that are part of a team and a squad. You know, so they're willing to you know make sacrifices for the for the greater good and uh you know what what gavin says is absolutely spot on i mean I remember the uh, the anger amongst evertonians when you know Hammers wasn't taking part in that you know sort of end of season what do they call it lap of i don't know not celebration but whatever it is yeah. at, at the end of the year uh, the final home game of the season when there was a crowd in there and he was on a plane heading off to Colombia, and it just left a slightly sour taste and um yeah I understand you know so sort of why you know so sort a of large number of the supporters feel that way just ultimately just think having had a player of his quality in the squad and uh, not getting the opportunity to actually witness him play in front of a crowd it's a little bit frustrating but if the greater good at the end of it is going to be you know sort a of slightly more more together squad while pulling in the same direction well uh, I'm with that
1: imagine two years ago Gav if we said you'd be on the royal blue podcast saying good riddance to
3: Rodríguez <laughs> to join a oh, to join a Qatari club. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, but hopefully we've learned from the mistake. I don't want people at the club who uh, we need we where we need them more than they need us. Yeah, I don't think that's a healthy position to get in. And I found last season some of the uh, some of the comments made about you know the the sort of the, the you know the sort of. Uh, I don't know how you best describe it. The over-the-top admiration to, to, to Ancelotti and Rodriguez from Evan's supporters, I found it a bit uncomfortable. You know, that phrase, I think I used it. You're in a dangerous place, where you're in throw throw to a manager or a footballer. Yeah. That that can quickly turn against you and be taken advantage of by those people. And I suspect both Ancelotti and, to a lesser degree, hammers have done that. And I don't want Evan to be in the position again. That that happens because um, it's. I think the whole the whole Ancelotti Rodriguez thing has held us back. Uh, and we're now playing catch up, and it's been costly. And I, and I think I don't want those mistakes being made again.
1: Nicely put. Mm. Well, to read. Sorry, go on, Dave.
3: And I was going to say top stuff,
2: Gav Yeah, absolutely. you yeah. you've converted me with your arguments there. I, I was like a, a, a Rodriguez apologist for a long time. Well, no, uh, I, I certainly can't argue with any of that.
1: It's made me It's made me want to book a flight to Spain. I'm just going to go and bat an Ancelotti.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but that's coming from experience. we seeing successful Everton teams and the characters involved in those, Sam. Yeah. yeah. But what makes what makes successful teams? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I've seen, sports, think,
2: I've,
3: yeah. I've seen Pierre Chalder. I've seen up me and exactly. Stephen exactly. Vesson. I'm, I'm to from my own experience, experience there as well. i um, that whole thing I think I said on the pod a couple of times in the end of last season I was very uncomfortable about that we are, we are historically we are a big club a historically successful club we shouldn't have people at the club who, who feel they're bigger than us I don't think that's very healthy and we, we, we acknowledge that sometimes Well said
2: The Royal Blue
3: Podcast from the Liverpool Echo Well to rewind a couple of
1: days Adam you were the unfortunate man to be a Villa Park alongside Phil Bride. Mm. It kind of came full circle, didn't it? We had that amazing six minutes on Monday night against Burnley where we turned the game on its head and we looked comfortable, I thought, for most of the first half, even with several kind of key players out, like Pickford, Coleman, mm. Charles and then lewin um, Has it brought you back to earth with a real bang or are you very much just take you know, this happens, and when you look at the run of fixtures we've got either side of the Manchester United game, we we can still come back from this. It's a team that's just finished tenth in the Premier League. Mm. These days are going to happen. Where, where do you kind of sit with? It was more the manner of the, yeah. the collapse, I thought, which wasn't great.
0: Yeah, I think it, it. I think for me, you just can't. I don't think you can read too much into it. I think these the kind of things just happen in football, don't they? And um, we were talking on the podcast last week. Actually, I, w- I was saying. The, if of all the good attack and football that we've shown this season, I think we do need to improve defensively. And I think probably that uh, that came on full display on uh, on Saturday evening. I thought we were playing as you said, I thought we were quite comfortable, I thought we were playing quite well. It looked like we'd weathered that early bit of villa pressure. We were just starting to climb up through the gears ourselves. And Tomarty Gray was getting a couple of chances in on goal. He had one where he just killed a shot wide. Uh Alex Wobey had one where he brought a save out of Martinez as well after a nice little nice little one-two inside the box. So it it looked like we were just starting to pick ourselves up through the gears. And then it's just it's one defensive error from Luca Dean, really, isn't it? And yeah, uh, suddenly Aston Villa Aston Villa were in there, and it it is exactly what happened to us against Burnley, isn't it? Like I think the the crowd were right. Well, the crowd were rife up for it for the whole game, to be honest. I thought the atmosphere was really, really good at Villa Park, to be fair. At the weekend, but it really got took up a notch when Matty Cash scored. And uh, I think Everton did like crumble a little bit. And I think it kind of showed that the probably the most important player that we were missing was Seamus Coleman. I really, I really think in that sort of situation, especially when you've just gone a goal down at a place like Villa Park, somebody with his sort of leadership on the pitch would have been really useful for us there. And you know, as good as Luca Dean is as a player, in when he's got the captain's armband on, I don't think he's really got those kind of leadership qualities about him to, you know, really rally the players together and make sure there's a reaction after going a goal down like that. And, you know, he's really he's really unlucky to be the, the man who's flipped in that, uh, that corner kick in the end. It was a really good corner from Leon Bailey. And then, you know, it's another defensive error on the other side for the third goal, Godfrey. You know, he's not, he's not a right back, and I think he probably showed that uh, with with that sort of thing, he was, was caught well too far inside, wasn't he, and left Leon Bailey in about thirty yards of space to score in the end. So, but you know, like these these kinds of things do happen, don't they? As, as you say, we we had a disappointing end to last season. I think it's maybe surprised a lot of people how well we've started this season. To be honest, we've been playing some really nice football, and you know, I, I think we were still playing some nice football against Villa, bar that you know sort of ten minute spell and the. In the second half, I think we, I think we still played an all right game. I think it was a pretty even game, if in, on the whole balance of the game, if it had ended one-one, for example, I think that probably would have been a pretty fair result. So I, d- I don't think it's one to really lose your head over, or you know, yeah. get all, get all doom and gloom over. It's kind of just one of them. We've just got to go right. Okay, we, we did, gotcha. yeah, we did get kind of done by the atmosphere there. It was just one of those things in. In football, we're still kind of a new squad, jelling together under a new manager, aren't we? Let's just brush that under the carpet. I think it's probably good that we've got a cup game a couple of days afterwards to just you know cleanse the palate, get, get yeah. that out the system instantly. Hopefully, bounce back against QPR, and then we've got Norwich at home uh, next. That's another winnable game, really, isn't it? On paper, so hopefully we'll be able to bounce back quite quickly. So yeah, I'm I'm not getting I'm not getting too over the top about that. It's just kind of a defeat that happens, isn't it? Really, we're gonna lose we're going to lose more games than that this season.
1: Dave Adams mentioned his mistake, and you know, I've seen a lot of people uh, kind of talking about it on, on social media since the game, but but some people kind of questioning Luca Dean's form, maybe over the start of this season and, and the back end of last season. Where do you stand on Dean? Do you think he's set himself such high standards in maybe his first 18 months, two years with the club that's, Going to be difficult to always match that, or
2: do you think he's having a, a lull in form? Well, I said I think in the podcast last week that I, I thought he was being harshly criticised, and I thought it was maybe to do with a, a change in formation and a change of emphasis, um, which has not given him the opportunity to get forward as much as he had done uh, in you know previous seasons, and that you know in turn reflected upon you know stats so not being as you know good as they would have been normally, yet. He was poor, he was poor on Saturday, no doubt whatsoever about it. You know, he was he was just muscled out a bit far too easily for that first goal. He almost like switched off. And then I don't know quite what he was thinking with the uh, with, with the own goal, you know. All right, so you know, you could say it was a little bit unfortunate, it was a good delivery, but you've still got to do better than that. So I'm probably inching towards the fact that yeah, he is having a lull in form at the moment compared to his very high standards that he'd set previously. Um there's not a great deal we can do about that because we haven't got much in the way of uh, of options. To, you know, exactly to give him a rest. I mean, uh, can can John Joe can he play left back? I know he has done previously, but you know that that is like a you know so asking a loss. You know, sort of him to to stand yeah, in there.
1: Yeah. Do you reckon your old mate Undy,
2: still got half of the day. <laughs> he certainly provides uh, an obstacle. <laughs> 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 maybe maybe, <laughs> not, quite, maybe <laughs> not quite as uh, mobile as he as he wants was. <laughs> um, But no, generally, I, I thought the performance. Let's put this into the perspective of the side yeah. that you know. So the manager had to send out there that you know, he was missing. You know, so seriously. You know, sort influential players. As a result of, shall we say, slightly unusual interpretation of the laws of refereeing on the Monday night. Uh, again, the refereeing at the weekend was poor, wasn't it? Did VAR have a weekend off? Um, yeah. You know, Damari De- Gray, you know, so that clear tug on him, you know, so when the game was still nil nil, but it was just completely and utterly ignored. That went against us. You know, the team selection went against the manager. And yes, despite all that, for an hour, we were still very much in the game. And even at the end of the match, I mean, I don't really understand these XG statistics that we see. And yet, watching match of the day on Saturday night, and you see that our, our XG statistics are almost identical to Villas. I'm thinking, well, hang on, we just being beaten 3-0 there. And yet, that's yeah. suggesting that we each had, you know, so sort of similarly good goal-scoring opportunities. So, bottom line is, yeah, it, it, it's a bad day. Or it was a bad, you know, sort of 10 or 15 minutes. We did implode. We did defend badly again. Uh, but we need to learn from that. And the manager was quite good afterwards, you know, so he did try to keep a relatively level head on it, as he always does. And, yeah, you're absolutely right about the being game. You know, so following on very, very hot on the heels to try and wipe that away, provided we can get 11 players to send out there. Because uh, the, the squad is absolutely stretched at the moment. I mean, does anybody know what happened to J.P. Gabamin? You know, so why wasn't he on the bench at the weekend? Yeah, I didn't see any explanation of his absence. Health is qual, apparently. Right, OK, so that was a precaution. So, yeah, it, 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 it's a concern, but, you know, we, we still have enough you know, in the bank to be able to go to QPR and wipe that away. But, yeah, we're not going to get too carried away. But to go back to your initial point, Sam, yeah, Luca Dean, for me, is is having a lull at the moment and it's a little bit concerning because he has set very, very high standards and he's not playing up to them at the moment.
1: It's a concern, though, Gav, isn't it, that Preno there is using the term the squad is stretched. That, that's something you might be saying, After 30 games, if you're in a couple of cup competitions, we're we're saying that after five games, we've we've took that gamble in the transfer market. You can't beat about the bush with it, can you? We've we've not invested and we've hoped to keep people fit, but that's kind of unraveled after five matches when your first choice goalkeeper, you know, your stars, your two star strikers, your your club captain, all on the uh, all in the physios room. Little bit concerning, isn't it? That you know. We can't go through spells like if if all these lads are out for two or three weeks we're, we're gonna do yeah. well to to get results
3: yeah i'm not sure whether we've taken a gamble uh is the phrase is use. i know what you're saying i'd, I'd say more like the the, the situation has been forced upon us because of our Maybe, yeah. overspending over the last few years we've been forced into this role Error, uh, this role yeah. have so yeah, but at the same time, because we've done more, could we've got like a couple of free transfers in just to fill the bank. Have a club Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get unsy fit, as Plano was saying, but that doesn't sound like it does yeah. One wing, uh, it on the other. Yeah, yeah. Sing, uh, sing. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, it all boils down to not being able to spend, and and that's what what hurts us. It'd Be nice if if there was a few more academy lads who were sort of in there, I don't know. You know, uh, Alice was on the uh, bench on on Saturday, um, and I think like the, the that's the other frustrating thing. I mean, we look we look, the end, You looking at the team on the pitch, and it it doesn't look great, does it? To be honest with you, um, no. and I, I agree. We should be talking about this in the middle of it. the dark, the, dark, days of nights of winter. Not not like it's still sunny September. And i saying that, I don't think I don't think the subs. Did us any favours, did they really? You know, took the think him on, got on off sh- and I was unfit. Yeah, you Nathan played the up long. front. Yeah. I think the World will be playing up top. I didn't, don't know that way. Uh I, I just thought uh I I can only I can only echo what's been said already for sixty minutes, you're sitting there aren't saying we're comfortable here. I mean the yeah. last I don't know what odds three 0 was to Villa after sixty minutes, so it was suggesting probably very lengthy. And I think uh, Smith said afterwards it wasn't necessarily a reflection of the game, and uh, I think I'd, I'd, I think in one of your wrap-up points, you said about like it did raise questions about our defence collectively. And um, I said at the start of the season, I still think our sense of defence is something that needs working on quite a bit. And for that, the, the, the Luca Dini, he got obviously pulled apart for the first goal, but I was going mad at Mina. Mm. He starts, he starts running towards his own goal. When cash has gone past Dean, rather than running towards cash, he runs he runs like ninety degrees away from where he should be running. So consequently, cash comes in, and then Mina just stands there and then turns his back. He's centre, he's like a six foot two, six foot three centre half. He turns his back, and and I would as much as me uh, Dean, he got got you know got pulses for his role. How is going mad at me for an experienced centre half should be doing better today, uh, to be honest with you. And and I agree about Coleman. I don't think we're conceding a fair goal that Coleman's on the pitch. Mm, because no. I think we were badly organised from the uh, the, the throw in. Yeah, I think the real fault was that blame Godfrey. We look at our, we had about five or six players by their throw in, and we still managed to let the lads you know cross the, you know, put a crossfield ball in and throw. Godfrey just gets tagged over because actually we've not covered their, their players uh, well. But I think Colm would have been there, wouldn't have got tagged over and would have organised better, you would hope. And I think I thought Godfrey got maybe a little bit unfair stick on that on a Saturday when the thought, thought the problem was our defence. But for Benitez, he'd be going mad at that, wouldn't he? Hmm. Because that's the sort of minute detail that he's well known for You know, um, doing well. And uh, I didn't think we handled their throwing very well, and I think obviously he got stick as well. But I think there's other other players. You core is not picking anybody up. He's just standing there, standing in space, doing nothing. Yeah. So, but overall, 60 minutes, we're fine. I was actually a little bit disappointed. I think if we put a shift in, here, yeah, we can get a, get a win. Because I think they they only have three shots on target themselves. Probably. The Royal
2: Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
1: As Adam pointed yeah, out before, the, wasn't it? It was
2: the, on
1: my stream, I was watching it, it was when Villa scored the first goal, was my stream was just seeing where Grey missed the far corner by a couple of inches. They, yeah, he could scored straight from that. It could have been one nil to us, and instead, in the blink of an eye, it was two nil to them. It was it
3: was it, it, it was a strange game all around, really, wasn't it? For those yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, you could argue in the first half a fully fit Rondon could have got two in the first half, couldn't you? Yeah. Mm. You know so, I'm not too disappointed about the results. I know I've been taught a lesson, don't be over, overly positive and get caught up in the moment in future forecasts. You'll never let it happen again. I've Pernod reminded the world on Twitter on Friday night, uh, <laughs> so I need and he's, and he's 100% like I need to go back to being miserable and uh, <laughs> on, on, on this type of stuff, you know. <laughs> but now, seriously. I'm not particularly concerned about the result, but I'm concerned that it did, as Adam pointed out in his piece, that it does show up some of the the weaknesses in the defence that has been apparent in a couple of games thus far this season. And no wonder, I think, Benitez may be looking at the centre-half.
1: Adam Prenno's asked asked you about him a little bit earlier in the podcast, uh, Jean-Philippe Jogbam, he's obviously got the the full backing of of everyone and, and all the Everton supporters, but it's starting to become slightly woody. And he, he needs to get himself fit and, mm. and having a run of games, doesn't he? Because, you know, even even just missing the game here and there, it's really hampering his. We just haven't seen anything from him yet, have we? It's, it's yeah. so difficult. We can only judge him from that Huddersfield game, the Carabao Cup, where I thought he was decent, but still looked rusty at times.
0: you no, can imagine, yeah.
1: Uh, as you would imagine, yeah. But
0: just slightly starting to head on the side of woody now, isn't it? A little bit. I don't know, not not, not not necessarily for me. Yeah. Because I mean, he, he missed the Brighton game because of a, what, a tooth abscess, was it? Like some yeah. sort of some sort of dental issue, like this one.
1: I think mean, the black cats as this lad like ran <laughs> over or something. There's <laughs> just
0: no yeah. lotteries then. He's just he's going round all the injuries that he could possibly get at this point, isn't he? And then he's, he's come back to the he's come, body. He's, yeah, well you come back to the first one. <laughs> the, the, quad, the quad was the first <laughs> one, wasn't it? So yeah <laughs> uh, um, yeah, like it, it's just going to be interesting to see how long he, he, he's kept out. Uh, I don't, I don't think we're particularly sure on that. Will, will he potentially be available for tomorrow's game against QPR? You'd suggest that a game against QPR would be an ideal one for to chuck him back in again, wouldn't you? Very similar to the Huddersfield game, I suppose, away in away in the cup championship team. You know, they're not going to. Uh, It's going to be a tough game, obviously, and it's going to be a very physical sort of encounter. And I think those are kind of the best games to chuck Gabamon straight back in and give him that that sort of physical challenge that he's gonna he's gonna need to really to really improve. But as you say, a run of games is essentially what he needs. But are we in a position to give him a run of games? Mm. Like it's really interesting, isn't it? Because you know, well, discount discount discounting the weekend where I thought they were. Off, well, a bit below par, I would say. Decoré and Allen have started the season very, very, very well, haven't they? And sure. you do, you do wonder to yourself: Is there going to be a space for Gabamon? Because even when Gomez has been coming on again, you know, discounting the weekend, but when Gomez has been coming into these games, he's been playing really well as, as well, yeah. hasn't he? And he, you know, he, he works well, particularly well with Decoré and helping them get forward a bit. You'd suggest that Gabamon's maybe targeting targeting Allen's position in the squad. Because I think Gabaman's a more natural sort of defensive midfielder than than Allen, isn't he? So, you know, if he can get a run of games behind him, then perhaps he can he can uh, target that position in the squad. But at the minute, what he what he needs, Everton can't even can't even give him, I don't think. Even if he has a really well, let's say, let's say he's fit and he plays against QPR and has a really good game against QPR, is he gonna start against Norwich? Probably not. Yeah. And then is he going to start against Man United? Probably not. Yeah. So it, exactly it's a it's a really, it's a really tough situation for him at the minute, even if he does get fit. Yeah. So the fact that he is missing, you know, these games here and there from for these uh, little injuries, that I think that'll be the most frustrating thing for him, really, is that you know he will be very aware that he does need to get these runner games together and he just can't afford to be missing missing matches such as you know, he probably would have got on against Villa. At the weekend, I, I probably I would have imagined as one of those, you know, even one of those late subs when when the game's already done, even if he'd come on for that last sort of ten minutes, it would have been beneficial to him. He can't really afford to be missing a game like tomorrow, as I say, because it's going to be a real physical test and it could be it could be exactly what he needs. So it's yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting to see what happens with Kabaman over the next few weeks. The midfield credo is
1: there's a situation arising, really, isn't there, in which you know, Rafa said Delft could be out for up to six weeks. It takes us up, you know, towards the festive running. That leave him with six months on his contract. You're probably not going to see too much more of Fabian Delft in and in an Everton shirt, which I suppose will please some fans.
2: We haven't seen much um, of him anyway. <laughs>
1: but, no, <laughs> as we're talking yeah. about the squad being stretched, regardless of the form that Alan and Deco, you know, they have started the season well by the weekend. There's an opportunity, isn't there, for your Jabamans, for your Gomezes, for your Davies. If you're playing well, you, you're going to get games and you could really kind of stamp your authority in that midfield. And the, the question is probably going to be if they can't do that, if, if Tom Davis can't force his way in, if Jabaman can't force his way into this midfield in its current state, with us missing a lot of players, you know, Hame's someone who, who could have potentially operated in a number 10 style role, they're probably not good enough for Everton in the long run. So it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of plays out over the next weeks and months.
2: It is, but, you know, we need players like that. You know, it's very much a squad game. Tom Davis is going to be very important tomorrow night uh, against yeah. keeper as, as he was against Huddersfield uh, in, in the last round. Um, and it all depends on what is round the corner. I mean, Alan has been great, so whenever he's been available, but he had those hamstring issues, you know, last season. And uh, I wasn't sure if he'd come off at the weekend because he was feeling a a knock or something, you know, 72 minutes in. You think, you know, why are we taking him off? So that just just worried me a little bit. So, you know, there's always the potential, you know, for something to happen, you know, in that part of the pitch. I mean, Dekore, fortunately, has been very, very uh, consistent in terms of his fitness since he's been here. And, you know, so hopefully that will continue. Uh, But you need, you know, sort of good, reliable players to step in, which is why it's so important for Gabamin to get a level of fitness, you know, an availability so that he can be called upon and show what he can produce when required. Uh, otherwise, you know, your, your Andre Gomes, your, your Tom Davis's are going to get the nod. Um So, yeah, you know, those players need to be available as often as possible. But it's an area of the team that, you know, like most of the Everson sport at the moment, the first choice starting lineup looks pretty good. You know, so it looks like a, a, an 11 that could maybe challenge for the top six. But as we all know, football doesn't work that way because players do get injured. And, uh, you know, it's ironically that two of our most consistent players in terms of availability, Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison, seem to be out for, like, you know, sort of a reasonable period of time at the moment, which does, hasn't happened previously. So, you know, we rely on the squad. And at the moment, you know, the squad is very, very, I don't know, lacking in certain areas. You know, there's a the first 11 who are very, very good. And below that, you know, there's not massive amounts of quality, you know, so sort of in depth. And, you know, we, we'll see tomorrow night, you know, so whether that, you know, sort of depth of, Quality is strong enough to overcome a decent championship size. I know they've lost the last two games back to back, but prior to that, they were flying, and you know they were, uh, you know, so looking very, very decent. So, yeah, you know, so you know, time for the uh, the, the backup squad to come to the fore and show what they can do.
1: It sounds a bit like Doddy off Mike Bassett there. First team squad looking very good. Reserve squad looking looking very bad. The whole thing's looking very bad. You're, Gav, you're,
2: smoking, you're talking modern popular culture. I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, That's not modern.
0: Uh, <laughs> I'm having Mike Bassett modern.
1: Gav, who's, who's hmm. tomorrow night important for then? Who, who do you think going to get given a chance and has got a real cha- uh, real opportunity to try and grab the attention of, of Rafa Benitez? I think
3: it's important for the manager, isn't it, really? <laughs> <laughs>
1: important for Rafa to grab the attention of Rafa <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah yeah I think um, after coming off the results on Saturday and the, the Hammers thing and stuff you know it'd be uh, nice to get it could end up naming nice a stronger to team
1: to, to get the win
3: and kind of ease the pressure a little bit from the weekend depends What have we got a, got a choice with a stronger team really um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see. I can see a few. But I thought the problem midfield on Saturday was they played three in the middle, and we played two, didn't we? They played yeah. three, five, two. We played four, four, two. So consequently, had the spare man. And I think the uh, core and Alan had the work out there. Uh, to be fair. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm thinking back to the time I think of the back line up at Huddersfield. I think Gomez mm. might get a game, tomorrow, To be yeah. fair, I think I see Gomez playing ninety yeah. minutes. And I think uh, Tom. Yeah. I think that's and,
1: time for a rest for Damali Gray
3: or Andros Townsend maybe well I think what it's shown on Saturday is that those players are going to probably be needed aren't they between now and Christmas uh, yeah. so yeah I, 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 that should be strong enough though surely um, mm. so it would be I'd like to see three four five players come in Davis Gomez Gordon um Gose Brantwist sure, yeah he might change the centre halves tomorrow. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I suspect. Uh, yeah, so definitely an opportunity there for well two things. A to impress, but B to get like ninety minutes under the belt. I mm. need old phrase, that isn't it? Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, I def- definitely think so. An opportunity for the two or three players there. Uh, Davis and Gomez, I think, being the two who would like to uh, to see given that opportunity. The
2: Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
1: Dave, to, to momentarily move away from Everton and talk about your old mucker, David Moyes, where would you stand on putting players on in the 94th minute to take a penalty? <laughs> so it's the big talk, everyone, everyone wants to talk. Well, let's, let's just
2: snap it up. It was, it was so funny, wasn't it? I loved it. Um, you knew from done, the moment he came on he was missing that penalty. Yeah, yeah. he's, he's done that before, David Moyes, successfully. If you remember, was it Fiorentina in the uh, in the Europa League where he brought on Thomas Graveson? Yeah, he was like yeah. a penalty specialist uh, just to take a penalty and Tommy scored. Uh, unfortunately, Yakubu missed the one that mattered, didn't he, uh, that night? Um, or oh, did Shaggy miss one as yeah, yeah, yeah. well? I know Graveson popped his away. Uh, so, you know, maybe there's something lodged in the back of his uh, grey of that, you know, this this has worked before, let's do it again. Let me but, this, quiet uh, decision from Moise. Uh, but, but I was with, you know, totally the, uh, the, the Sky Pundits who were just absolutely berating him for us. I mean, you know, it's such an intense fixture, you know, so you, you can't come onto it cold, no matter how good you are at set pieces. And you know, and, and take a spot kick. I mean, as you all know, I'm magnificent with penalties, but even <laughs> I wouldn't have fanci- even I wouldn't have fancied myself going on a situation <laughs> like that cold. No, it's just it, it was just it was so funny. I mean, you could sort of see it happening. Um, it wasn't even a great penalty, was it? You know, it was a good height. It was, you know, it's reasonably cleanly struck. And what was that stat? David De Gea conceded his last 40 penalty kicks in succession. Mm-hmm. And he saves that one. But no, it, it, all, it, it, all set, it all sets up for a great finish to the game because it was, it was very entertaining stuff. And, you know, so Lingard's goal and, you know, muted celebration was great in itself. And then for that to happen, Martin Atkinson again, though? Why is he not giving a penalty straight away when it clearly oh. is handball by Luke Shaw? Why has he got to go to VAR? It's actually, he's, yeah. a, he's a dreadful referee. I know we've said this many times. We said it last Monday night. But oh, how many still in Premier League games? I've no idea. Well, just to,
1: to, to finish off, Adam, earlier this week, you went down to watch uh, Everton under-23s. And while we've been podcasting, they've announced the signing of under-18 striker. I'm probably going to murder this. <laughs> Francis... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to Ocheronquo.
2: Yeah, done. I think I nice Ocaronqua so.
1: yeah. not a bad effort yeah it was really I've really, been
2: practising um, <laughs> he, he, he's still murdering Jean-Philippe Gabamin by the way but anyway yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> probably, it's probably best that Sam didn't attempt that appreciation
0: not my <laughs> <later on>, strong <since laughs>
1: yeah. not gonna like. Well. Mm. Mm. haven't put in a, uh, an emphasis though in, in recent times signing young players and any names that you want to throw out there that people should be and obviously now that Restrictions have been lifted a little bit, you know. Under 23s you usually playing Monday, Friday night. You just can go down to Southport and watch if anyone ever feels obliged. Good mm-hmm. night to take the take the kids down as well for a little yeah. taste of footy. But any names you want to wash out there to, to keep an
0: eye on over the next eighteen months? Well it's interesting, isn't it? Like we've we've seemingly had a bit of a a bit of a revolution in terms of under under 23s players. There's a lot of a lot of younger lads stepping up and playing for the under 23s now, and it's probably Probably why it's affected the results at the start of this season. They've not been not been a not been getting some great results at the start of this season because I think they are just like young lads and they still need to they still need to get up to this level. But you know, obviously we've got the likes of Tom Cannon and Lewis Dobbin up front. Who you know, Lewis Dobbin especially scored loads of goals o- over the course of the summer, didn't he? He scored again on Friday night. Yeah, uh, he got beat by Sheffield United three one, unfortunately. But Dobbin's goal was. Pretty good. Probably he'll be a little bit disappointed that he didn't get a couple more in the second half of that game. Uh, Charlie Whittaker is the one who sticks out to me. You know, when went out with the uh, first team over the course of the summer, didn't he? Uh, out to Florida, uh, trained with them over over the summer. So it's going to be really interesting to see how he kicks on this season. He was given a rest on Friday. Uh, still, the one that always is flying under the radar at the moment as well is Tyler Onyango, isn't it? Because mm. you know, he's had a serious, sort of long-term injury that he picked up in March, something like that, March, April time, mm. something like that. He picked up that injury, but it looks like he's going to be coming back probably late October-ish. We're, I think we're, we'd probably be expecting him back, so hopefully we'll see some uh, some really good performances from him again because he's just he's just an absolute beast in the midfield, isn't he? He's got so much, so much technical and physical ability about him. It's really... Really, really promising to see uh, to see players like that coming through. So you know there are there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of young lads coming through at the minute. But I think it's just just about patience at the, at the minute. It's, it's especially with lads at that level and especially with lads at that age. You, you just you have just got to give them time to develop and you know learn learn the level that they're at. And you know I've got I've got no doubt in my mind that a couple of these a couple of this group you know they're so talented they will make it. Whether that'll be Everton, well, you'd hope it be at Everton. Uh, but whether it's Everton or somewhere else, they, like, there's a lot of talented youngsters in this squad that are going to make it. So let's just hope, fingers crossed, they can uh, keep producing for for Everton. And you know, hopefully, you know, even by the by the end of this season, Rafa Benitez <laughs> might be needing them if, we, <laughs> yeah. if the squad's stretched already. Now he might he might be needing a couple of these lads towards the end of the season. So yeah, fingers crossed they can just keep uh, keep kicking on. And yeah, like as only uh, reiterate what you said get down and watch the under 23s if you can, because it's going to be, I think it's going to be a really interesting season with these, to be honest. And Gav, uh, a little
1: birdie tells me you've got a new book coming out at the uh, the end of September. Sort oh, of a... He
0: didn't even ask for a plug, and he's That's getting really one. Of life life life. I, I give, I give right, three for <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've
1: seen Dave getting a very <laughs> excited on Twitter. We, give, us we, a, we, a, we, give us a brief we, overview we... about what it is.
3: Yeah, me and Sam are on Encro we'll chat together, you know, that nobody can see what I'm saying, you know. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's um, it's my follow-up to Money Can't Buy Us Love, which was Evans 1961 to 73. It uh, takes the story from 1973 to 1985, Boys from the Blue Stuff, a contemporary reference. Um, and it's, it's just the same sort of format, takes the story from over them, 12 shall we say, these years, as planner will confirm, of, of, of watching Everton, um, tied in with the economic and cultural changes of the time. Uh, I like to think of structural winning formula in terms of the, the format. Uh, it's, not like, it's not one of these, uh, you know, we played then and then we played them and then we played them and then we played them, you know, for 12 years. It it's mixes things up. And uh, I talk about, um, you know, Billy Bingham, uh Gordon Lee, which I'm sure Penno would appreciate it. <laughs> uh Penno's peak years, what's Everton? And then I covered up Everton up to uh, how obviously Howard's and the dark days of the early eighties through to the triumphant spring of of nineteen eighty five and why it all happened and tried to analyse things, not just tell the story, tried to give analysis of stuff and and show how Everton did within the wider changes within the game, of which there were many. I mean, a lot of the stuff in modern football is as a, the way modern football is run as a result of changes in the way the game was administered in the early 80s. And so it's all, it's all tied in with that and hopefully it will be as successful and well received as uh, Money Can't Buy Us. It. So it was, uh, yeah.
2: I'm sure it will be. I mean, Gav's been quite self-deprecating there. Money Can't Buy Us was top class and a great read and educated a lot of people on a, a very successful period of the club's history. But it ended on a flat nose, 1973, when you know, so sort of things were all a little bit, you know, sort of down after the glory that had preceded it. Gav's given us a happy ending this time. He's finishing in 1984 yeah. on an up nose. But well, no, I can't wait because, like you said, that is the era when I first started watching football. You know, so 1975 was my first game. So I can't wait uh, to pick it up. And you know, what Gav says there about uh, a chronological history. Uh, another historical football book I'm reading at the moment is um, "Where the Cool Kids Hung Out: The Chic Years of the UEFA Cup." And um, it's okay. That is literally, you know, sort of blow by blow. This happened, that happened at the UEFA Cup. Gav's previous work isn't anything like that. It's analytical, it's entertaining, it's anecdotal, lots of great stuff in there. And I'm absolutely confident not to pile any pressure on this shoulders because he's already finished it now anyway, that this one is going to be just as good, if not better. So now I genuinely can't wait. He's got one buyer already here. Uh,
1: How's that, uh, Gav? That, I was nice, uh, that was a nice reference there.
3: Yeah, I yeah, know that th- yeah, thanks uh Prano. I really, really appreciate it. coming from yourself. Um, and hopefully we can have a chat wider the chat on here, a bit too long, a this podcast. it. it starts well, like off Born. <laughs> yeah like again. But yeah, it it's you know, it goes back to what I was saying at the start of the, the pod about how we how we how we are in our DNA and how that should be reflecting the type of people we want working for us. You know, and cool. uh yeah. Yeah, it's a really interesting time. It's quite it's slightly different because the 60s wasn't really there. But when you're writing about stuff, when you were there, it's a slightly different perspective on things, you know. But and uh, I'm sure Preno enjoyed the 77 78 season. Bob Blatchford, all that'll be right up as uh, right
2: 76 yeah. Yeah, <laughs> league yeah, goals. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, in the last year, Preno's been published, Gav's been published. There's only one thing for it, hasn't We've got to write a, our own book, our own joint book. Yeah, yeah, and we'll yeah, Adam Sand we'll, book. We'll get our own table in Waterstones, like <laughs> <laughs> And we only have to. Well, Waterstones is basically next door to us. Stones, throw, yeah. So yeah. we could just walk over in our yeah. own time. We'll yeah. have to do none of this driving from Formby. Nah. Like Crenall. You, you <laughs> yeah. You'll
2: find signed copies in there this week as well if you're very nah. unlucky.
1: Uh, a member of the news desk actually did text me the other day to say that uh, Mum, weirdly, absolutely loves you and was asking how she. Oh, she could get a signed copy. So, that's what I like to hear. (laughs) 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 Yeah,
0: yeah, Preno, you'll enjoy this. It's a podcast exclusive for you. Just have word from the Premier League. Did ask them this morning about uh, that Damari Gray incident and whether VAR checked it. VAR did did check it, and it decided it wasn't a clear and obvious error
2: oh my uh,
1: word
2: yeah, that, that somehow it. makes it even
1: worse doesn't it watch yeah. great <laughs> podcast exclusive <I> <laughs> yeah on the there you go
2: it's, I mean uh, having been relatively successful so far this season VAR the last seven days it's been all over the place again it's been very yeah. strange
1: yeah wow well on that note we can all go off and, and fume at the yeah. Premier League <laughs> and at VAR well, thank you so much for your company lads it's been a nice 45 minutes Hopefully, when we're back later this week, we'll be talking about a win over QPR in the Caravan Cup and looking ahead to what will be, hopefully, another winnable fixture for the Blues to get back to winning ways against Norwich City at the weekend. You can follow the Royal Blue Podcast group on Facebook and join in the conversation there. Or I'm sure we're all pretty easy to find on Twitter if you want to send in any of your questions or give us your thoughts on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We've been the Royal Blue Podcast.